and welcome to the People Who Read People podcast with me, Zach Elwood. This is a podcast aimed at better understanding other people and better understanding ourselves. You can learn more about it at peoplewhoreadpeople.com. If you like my work and want to encourage me to do more, you can sign up for a premium subscription there. I'm spending my free time these days working on my book about American polarization, which you can learn more about at American-Anger.com. While I'm doing that, I'm sharing some older episodes that I think are good, but are from back when my audience was quite small. This episode I'm sharing is a talk with sports commentator and analyst, John Michael Hoffling. We talk about behavioral tells and indicators in football, baseball, and several other sports. Okay, here's the episode. Today we'll be talking about some tells in football and other sports. A recent sports story making the rounds was about how the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, had a tell that whether his foot was flat on the ground or his heel raised indicated whether he'd run or pass. This was a tell discovered by a young man named Theo Ash, who has a very popular TikTok channel where he analyzes football videos. His TikTok is Theo Ash NFL. I've been in contact with Theo and might interview him for this podcast as I'm curious how he studies footage and what else he might have found. But today's interview isn't of Theo. This interview, recorded July 22nd, 2021, is of John Michael Hoflin, a sports broadcaster and sports analyst. I read an analysis of the Roethlisberger tell by Hoflin on Deadspin, and his analysis included mentions of other sports tells. So I thought he'd make for an interesting interview, putting this tell in context with other football tells and sports tells in general. I also thought maybe he'd give me some ideas for other sports-related interviews I might do in future. You can read Hoefling's work on Deadspin. He's not that active on Twitter, but you can follow him there at John Hoefling. That's J-O-N-H-O-E-F-L-I-N-G. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Let's start out with the Roethlisberger tell. I know you didn't discover that, but I was reading your piece about it. Maybe you can summarize what that tell involved. Yeah, so that tell was discovered by uh, a user on TikTok, Theo Ash NFL, and I thought it was super interesting. Nobody in the league noticed it, but it's just prior to a run or a pat or prior to a play out of the shotgun formation for the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger will lift his back foot if it's a pass, slightly his back ankle, and he will keep it on the ground if it's a run. And I'm not sure whether that's, you know, something he does to help him take a three-step drop back. When it's, a, when it's a pass and when it's a run, obviously he doesn't have to do that. When I was studying this tell and looking at other quarterbacks to see if this was something every quarterback did, I couldn't find any. Josh Allen doesn't do it. Baker Mayfield doesn't do it. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do it. Even some of the older QBs, Drew Brees didn't do it. So, but yeah, that's all the tell is. It's just he either lifts his back foot or he doesn't to indicate whether it's a run or a pass. Right. And this was when they were in a shotgun formation, which apparently mm-hmm. is a pretty popular formation for oh it's definitely it's really popular with the Steelers they ran that formation I think the third highest percentage uh in the NFL I think only the Buffalo Bills and can't remember the other team but the Buffalo Bills were definitely one of the only teams that uh used it more often so this was a tell that came into factor a lot last year in your piece you you kind of implied you know obviously it can't be proven but you you seem to think that it wasn't noticed by other teams. And then I was reading a piece by Mike Florio this morning for, for pro football talk. And he seemed to think that there was a good chance that other teams had noticed it, but it kept it 
secret. But I, so obviously there's not a way to know for sure, but I'm, I'm curious if you can summarize why you think that teams maybe didn't take advantage of this or know about it. I think teams didn't take advantage of it because throughout the entirety of Ben Roethlisberger's career, which has been since 2004, he's been in the league since 2004. When I was researching this tell, I went back to 2004. I watched a game in 2020, a game in 2016, a game in 2010, and a game in 2004. And in every single one of those games, out of the shotgun, he did that exact same Mm. tell. It's been throughout the entirety of his career. At some point throughout his career, there has to have been, and there has been, uh, several players who have joined the Steelers after long careers with other teams. If those players knew about the tell, which you would imagine that they do, they would tell Ben Roethlisberger, right? And he would work to change that, but he hasn't changed that. So my whole thought is, if people knew about it, Ben Roethlisberger would have gotten rid of it already. Because somebody somebody would have told him, a coach or a defensive player who ends up joining the Steelers. That, that was a really good point. And I was more likely to believe that than the other piece I was reading, which kind of implied like, oh, this was so obvious. Somebody yeah. had to have noticed it. You know, I just think that you know quarterback tells aren't really something that people look for every now and again. I know Mike Vick had one with his mouth guard and like, um, but that's the only other quarterback one I can think of. Uh, Mike Vick would put his mouthpiece in if it was a pass, but he wouldn't put it in if it was a run. I assume he'd put it in for a pass because he might get hit on a pass. He might get sacked. And obviously he was a scrambling quarterback, but he'd leave it out if it was a run because he knew he wasn't going to be a part of the play. Mm. Like receivers have stuff like that. Antonio Brown used to tighten his uh, gloves before a pass and he wouldn't (laughs) do that for a run. But in terms of quarterbacks, that's not really something that people look for. So I think that's why it went unnoticed all these years. Interesting. So I've always operated on the assumption that teams and coaches and consultants were studying a lot of this footage and looking for reliable patterns Mm -hmm. like this. Am I right that they are studying these things a lot? I would think so. I mean, obviously, I've never been in an NFL locker room or a film room or something like that. I would think that that behavioral patterns and just tendencies would be something people would look into. But like I said, in the in the NFL, it's not really tells you're looking for. It's just studying film and formations. You're not really looking for what a certain player individually does. You're looking at where the team as a whole is lining up. Mm-hmm. If the tight end is on the right side, or if the tight end's in, or if they're in a two tight end set, what does that usually mean? Does the tight end usually run behind one tight end, or do they run to a side with multiple receivers? Do they run weak side more often out of the eye, or something like that? Mm-hmm. It's not really a hey, let's look at the halfback and if he you know fakes right that means all the time he's going left it's not really things like that yeah they're looking at the macro strategies and and, and approaches yeah uh regarding this roethlisberger tell what would be the practical way to exploit that say you were the other team and you you knew about that right yeah I, i was thinking that too because it has to do with his foot right Like linebackers and D linemen, they can try to look through the tight end and the O-line. That's a bunch of big dudes and try to figure out what Roethlisberger does right before the snap. But that's a split second thing and, you know, your view is obstructed. And I feel like it'd be pretty inconsistent and lead to misreads. I think the best way to take advantage would be to have like a cornerback or maybe an outside linebacker, a signal to what signal what the play is to his teammates, a runner or pass. Uh, I think a corner, a cornerback would be really good at that too. Now, obviously, that means he'd have to take his eyes off the receiver, and that means a lot of his teammates would have to look to one side of the field to really get the advantage, which I'm not sure if that'd be ideal. 
taking your eyes off the play to look at one signal. Mm. But like I said in my piece, I think if just one person knows what it is, that's a huge Mm. advantage. That lack of ambiguity as to what the play is going to be. I think the best way would be to have a member uh, of the secondary on the bench or maybe a coach just look at Roethlisberger. Because we could see it from the TV angle. So I imagine down low you have a much better angle of Roethlisberger's foot. Mm -hmm. So I figure a coach on the sideline could signal it to the near side cornerback. And that would be a big factor on the pass because, oh, it's a pass. Now the cornerback's going to do what he always did. But if it's a run – that cornerback can immediately break toward the backfield and seal off the edge mm-hmm. for one of the sides. And that's huge because all of a sudden that running back cannot cut back and if, if the other side gets sealed off as well. So that I think is the most practical use of it. In run situations, forcing a halfback into the teeth of the defense. Before we talk about other sports or other football tells, do you have anything else to say on the the Roethlisberger one and interesting that stands out for that? Um, Not particularly for the Roethlisberger one. Like he's obviously been a fantastic quarterback his entire career. And uh, I'll be interested to see if he does this next year. Because obviously the best way to get rid of a tell is for other people to tell you that you have a tell. And now it's just out there. He's got to know now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How long before was he was his foot in place? You know, are we talking like this would show up just right before the play started? Or this would show up like half a second to a second before the play started. It, it, it is right before. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But even that little bit, yeah, like you said, could give you, you know, some even one person noticing that can start thinking like, oh, okay, I got, I got to do this. Yeah, now. football yeah, is yeah. the most team oriented sport. Is if if an offensive lineman misses his assignment all of a sudden the quarterback gets sacked for minus seven yards. So if even one person on that defense knows what the play is going to be, that just takes a world of weight off the defense's shoulders. You mentioned a few other stories about sports tells in your article. Are there any other ones that you haven't mentioned already that stand out as really well known in the the sports world? Well, I think the most obvious one would be like pitchers tipping, uh, tipping their pitches in baseball. Uh, you Darvish famously did that in the 2017 World Series to the Houston Astros, but like you know, new information has come out since then about the Houston Astros stealing signs and whatnot. And I know it's not just the Houston Astros, but no other teams have been proven yet, so I'm not going to throw accusations mm-hmm. out against other teams. But you uh, Darvish did that in the 2017 World Series and the 2019 World Series, which is ironically against the Astros as well. Washington Nationals pitcher Steven Strasburg. He uh, would uh, shake his glove and flex his pinky for his off-speed stuff. And he actually fixed that mid-game, which I am really impressed with. He mm. just started shaking his glove before every single pitch oh, so that yeah. the uh, Houston Astros wouldn't know what he was doing. So mm-hmm. I thought that uh, – like Steven Strasburg is obviously a fantastic pitcher, but to be able to make adjustments on the fly like that to just your routine because your routine is everything, whether it's an NBA free throw – or uh, go, or throwing out of the stretch on the mound. That's one of the major pieces of advice I give to people in, in poker when it comes to poker tells, because if you have a tell, if you know you have a tell, the best way to uh, cover it up is just do that same thing every time. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you know that, for example, you uh, your breathing gets uh, more shallow when you're bluffing, then then try to have your breathing be more shallow when you're value betting, things like that. Yeah, just try to be consistent, basically. Yeah. Any other well-known sports world stories stand out for uh, for tells? There are some, what's the word? 
misconceptions that uh, like because I'm huge in the world of offensive linemen. My dad was offered a couple D1 scholarships to play guard. My uh, my dad's best friend played guard at Yale, and my godfather got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs as an O lineman. So I've been basically taught the tools and trade of the O line from every single person in my life. And one thing that's always bugged us is the movie Invincible starring Mark Wahlberg about Vince Papali yes. joining the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And it's just this huge oversimplification of, oh, well, if their knuckles are white and they're leaning back, uh, they're, if they're leaning back on their knuckles, then they're dropping back for pass coverage. Mm-hmm. And if they're moving forward with it, then uh, they're coming right at you for the run. And obviously that is just something that every single D lineman would know. And it's just a gross oversimplification mm-hmm. of offensive line workings. But that's another thing about offensive line is that offensive line work has become so oversimplified as a whole nowadays. You take a look at college football and there are tackles that just won't even put their hands on the ground anymore. They just signal to the defense, hey, this is a pass. You know it's a pass. I know it's a pass. I'm going to drop back and protect his blind side. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. Try to beat me. And I think that's good for college football, but that's sort of moving into the NFL too now. And the NFL is just taking on more and more uh, situations from college by the year. And that's one of them that's happening. And it's just, they're telling defenses, Hey, we're going to pass here. Try to beat us. So tells are sort of disappearing from O-line work. So it's, yeah, the, the information is, is more open. It's, it's more mm-hmm. known and it's just a matter of, yeah, can you, can you beat us? Yeah, and I just miss I just miss the days when you could when you look at an O lineman and you say, "Hey, he's leaning to the left. This is probably a trap play or something like that." I miss those. Mm. Those don't exist anymore because they're just so open with it. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Speaking of the movie stuff, it, yeah, it reminds me of obviously so many movies simplify things so much. I mean, you know, when it comes to poker movies, you know, every everything's about a big tell or something when in a similar way, it's exaggerated, you know, that, Isn't that wasn't that an issue. A lot of people have with casino Royale. It's when he does that. Oh uh, yeah. You know, that and, flipping yeah. the, the chip thing. It's like, that'd be the most obvious tell in existence. <laughs> Nobody yeah. would ever do that. And then a lot of this, you know, rounders is the, the stereotypical one with the, the Oreo uh, breaking the Oreo was uh, Teddy KGB's uh, tell when he, when he had a big hand, it, it's, it's, it's debatable whether you can uh, make an exciting movie sometimes without those, uh, kind of simplifications yeah but i mean i i think you can i think you can, the complexity is more interesting oh you you me, absolutely right? can but <laughs> yeah. it, it's just like for the people that notice that kind of stuff and for the people who are huge into it mm-hmm. it's you know it takes away them. from the immersion sometimes. yeah exactly you, it's hard to suspend your disbelief when you mm-hmm. when you know a lot about that subject yeah mm-hmm. did you have any thoughts on the the andre agassi anecdote of getting a uh, tell on boris becker did you hear much about that yeah, I actually didn't hear about this until you uh, until you brought it up to me. But uh, I, I did some research into it, and like you sort of said, uh, I'm a little skeptical of it too, because I've been on a tennis court a few times, and I, I've got pretty decent vision. I could not tell you what somebody is doing with their tongue from that far. Like, and he, the Andre Agassi quote was, "If he flexed his tongue to the middle, then he was serving." insider at the body right Mm -hmm. and if he flexed his tongue to the left corner then it was a wide shot so that's a very minuscule movement i Mm -hmm. feel like Mm -hmm. to see from that far out because the server and the receiver have to be on opposite sides of the court they cannot be inside the lines at Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. i'm not sure the actual the exact dimensions of it but 
it, I find it a little hard to believe. But that being said, I don't know. If anyone's interested in that, I had a I interviewed a, a tennis coach, Carlos Goffey, uh, for about that, and he was he was also skeptical. And I, I had a few reasons why I was skeptical. Yeah, the the thing you mentioned just now is one. I mean, I, and I was actually looking at the footage, the old footage, and it looked like I mean I couldn't even clearly find those instances, even when it was a very close up shot of uh, of Becker, and it looked like if he was doing it, it was like right when he you know turned his head to the side, which would have been really you know extra extra hard to see you know the the distance level yeah. and the, the angle so uh yeah. and plus just the, the fact that agassi seemed to imply it was such a reliable tell that he he wasn't even using it all the time was to me <laughs> suspicious because i'm like <laughs> uh in those games wouldn't you be using every every edge no, of the disposal I, I, you know i get his reasoning it's you know he didn't want to reveal that he knew the tell right so he only used it in the most pivotal moments because agassi obviously a legend he could probably beat Becker pretty consistently, but if he ever found himself in trouble, I sort of get that, right? Like I sort of understand the thought process behind it. Hmm. But um, yeah, it's just because Becker was right-handed, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I guess it doesn't matter because no, uh, no matter what, if he's right-handed or left-handed half the time, he's going to have his face turned away from you because you have to serve mm-hmm. the opposite end of the court. He's going to have to turn his face away from you while he's making the serve. So, it, like you said, I think it's a very uh, – I'm very skeptical on it. I mean, the thing that struck me is there's, there's so many other factors in a tennis game. It's like, would would Becker really pick up – even if Agassi was using that such a reliable tell all the time, would Becker really realize it was due to the tell? That's what struck me, you know. And, and also the fact that Agassi's got to be afraid, like, hey, that tell might go away. Somebody else might notice it. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's a, there's a range of things. I mean, not to say it's not possible, but I just – the number of things about it just made me think Agassi was trying to do something. I, a lot of people do in uh, poker, you know, which is after the fact, be like, Oh, I had such dominance that I was uh, seeing uh, all of these things and I have such mastery. And it, it is kind of a, a way to uh, drum up the legend. I think a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's <sounds laughs> about right. He may be misremembering it too. You know, there's a range of things too. Like sometimes we can exaggerate in memory, like, Oh, that thing was really powerful. And I, I used it a lot. And, you know, yeah. it, may, it may have been like a tiny thing or something. I was curious in your own sports footage analysis, because I know you've analyzed, you know, footage too. Have you found some interesting things on your own that have stood out? Not really for, for tells. Like, obviously, the one that is most obvious and the one I do most often is pitchers tipping their pitches. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just because of how we're conditioned as analysts and people who watch video. Uh, we are designed to be like, hey, watch this pitcher. Try to figure out something about him. Try to figure out how hitters can take advantage. Whereas in other sports, like I guess there's a little bit of that in basketball. Like if James Harden makes a move to the left, then it's more likely that he takes a step back, which is his signature move. Mm-hmm. But it's not really as prominent in any sport, nearly as prominent as it is in baseball. Mm-hmm. Baseball, the entire purpose of it, the entire purpose of the sport is, hey, find any inconsistency in this guy's delivery and use it to your advantage. Mm. And that's why people were so upset about the Houston Astros cheating scandal. And the other teams, like I said earlier, other teams probably did it as well. But the whole point of baseball is to figure it out on your own and use what you can. Use the tools at your disposal to take advantage of your opponent. So that's why when it was discovered that the Houston Astros were using electronics and high-speed cameras to do that, 
and signal it to their hitters. That's why people got so upset because that's not the game. Mm. The game is, hey, one of our hitters noticed this thing. Mm -hmm. That's when it's okay. But as soon as you're stealing signs, no, that's not Mm. okay. But um, baseball, I have noticed a couple things. There are some pitchers in college that will overstretch on their off-speed stuff in an attempt to get to the plate faster, which you don't necessarily want to do, but some pitchers do. There are a lot of pitchers who think that facial minutia is going to play a difference in the mental aspect of it, and they're going to fool hitters with it. So on their Mm. off-speed stuff, they'll flex their face and make it seem like they're trying to throw really hard. And it's Mm. just like, okay, (laughs) that might work one or two times. But as soon as you do that, they're going to – as soon as you start doing that every time, they're going to pick up on that pattern. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, he's flexing his face. That's an off-speed thing. That's interesting because, yeah, I talk about that in poker too because there's very limited application to fake tells. Like you use it once and somebody notices notices it, then they're just not going to trust your behavior after that. Mm -hmm. They're going to know like, oh, okay, well, even after one time, I'm like, I can't trust that information. Yeah, which helps explain why false tells are are pretty rare in poker and probably in other things too because people realize it's it's a limited application. Yeah. I think the most common thing, though, in baseball would be uh, pitchers rotating their gloves, depending on what they're throwing Mm. prior to the pitch while they're setting up, which I think is really important because that's before the motion. So it gives hitters a lot of time to recognize it. But there are a lot of college pitchers that will, you know, rotate their glove almost entirely over their hand for an off speed thing to hide that they're changing their grip. Hmm. Um, And then when they're doing a fastball, they'll hold the ball and their glove pretty much straight up. And I think that's probably the most common and the biggest thing. And that's something that behavioral coaches and uh, people who study film and pitching coaches will iron out in the minor leagues if they ever make it to that level. Hmm, interesting. It kind of makes sense for that, that baseball would be so focused on trying to find this information because it's, it's one of the few sports where there's a lot of kind of dead time leading up to each action mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, the, the very fast games like, you know, football or tennis, you know, that it's mostly just playing out in the moment, you know, these split second decisions, but baseball, it's like a long lead up and then an action, a long lead up and then an action. You know? So you're yeah. looking for these, these tiny clues about what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tells and behavior, did you happen to see this interview with a baseball player? I'm not sure who he was. I can't remember the name, but he was talking about the use of uh, somebody asked him point blank, like, have you used this sticky substance on your bat? And he, ba- yeah. he basically gave this long meandering non-answer, which was a very, I thought it was a, you know, a good example of just giving an answer that basically was like, yeah, gave no information, and, <laughs> which made you think like, yeah, he probably, he, he almost certainly. Yeah. Did. The sticky, the sticky substance, situation is the biggest scandal in baseball right now they just implemented Mm. the rule a month ago that basically told umpires hey you have to check starting pitchers twice a game now and you have to start checking every pitcher that comes into the game at least once and i'm not i don't think sticky substance had like you can search online the most famous one and my favorite is the mike fires no hitter in oakland a few years ago where Every time a ball went out of play or they had to change the ball because the ball went in the dirt or something, he would just rub his fingers on his glove. And it's like, okay, that's obviously where he's keeping the sticky stuff and he's got to re-grip every time the ball goes out of play. And you can tell just every time, like clockwork, every time a foul ball was hit and it goes into the stands and obviously the fans get to take it home. It's like re-grip, re-grip, re-grip. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that that's really a tell because you like because you can use sticky stuff for absolutely every single pitch. 
uh, on fastballs and increases the backspin, which makes it seem like the ball is elevating on the curveball and makes it break more. So you can work it. You, you can use sticky stuff on every pitch. I'm not sure if that's really a tell, but yeah, the sticky stuff right. is a huge issue in baseball, and it just sort of got fixed this year. But that's an interesting point I hadn't really thought of is is in analyzing the the footage for indicators that people are you know doing underhanded things or cheating or whatever. Oh well, that like that's another whole scandal we can get into. It's like it was so obvious. You can look at any pitcher, Garrett Cole. Adam Wainwright, uh, James Caprillion, Mike Fires, like I just said, Felix Hernandez. And there's tons of footage available of them, you know, rubbing their thumb under the brim of their cap or uh, touching the back of their ear suspiciously. That's just available. Everybody knew about it. Everybody who looked into it knew about it. But the whole scandal is, did Major League Baseball allow this to happen while they knew about mm. it? That's what pitchers are upset about. If Major League Baseball was allowing it to happen and now all of a sudden they care about it, mm, that's see, what yeah. the issue is. Like there, there's a famous uh, lawsuit that happened a few years ago where an Angels clubhouse manager, Brian, uh, Brian Harkins, he was selling his um, homemade sticky stuff that he called go-go juice. <laughs> and he was selling it to pitchers. <laughs> and when Major League Base, when the information became public, this is a guy who won Clubhouse Manager of the Year back in 2014, by the way. He was beloved by players. But as soon as the information that he was selling sticky stuff became public, he sued Major League Baseball because they knew about it. Mm. And he had text to prove it. Garrett Cole, the guy who gave the answer you're talking about, was one of the guys who would text him, hey, I need to get out of a, and this is literally the text, I need to get out of a, quote, sticky situation winky face <laughs> but i'm not going to be in anaheim for a couple more weeks is there anything oh, i can man. do like he would sell it to that's justin verlander a very famous pitcher married to kate upton won the cy young award a couple times he's another guy who as soon as he got fired by the as soon as brian harkins got fired by the angels verlander texted him and said i'm so sorry about what's happened to you and it's like okay well now we know verlander was using that stuff too so there's there was so much evidence of pitchers using this stuff. Right, it was just it was out in the for, open, yeah. yeah. And now Major League Baseball cares about it. As soon as the mm-hmm. information is becoming public and hitters like Josh Donaldson were complaining, that's the yeah. fishy part. I can see now Now that his his response makes more sense to me because he was basically saying, like, there's all these things that people basically know were ways to get edges. And so, yeah, his his response does make more sense to me. With that yeah, concept. and I'm, I'm not trying to give the pitchers any leeway because it's obviously cheating if it wasn't cheating mm-hmm. then why weren't they talking about this publicly prior mm-hmm. to the move right they knew it was cheating that's why they hit it but at the same time i think major league baseball is as a whole is a bit responsible is big yeah. is more to blame because they allowed it to happen rather than you know putting their foot down immediately and to make it obvious for people who don't know anything about it what is what's the result of using the sticky stuff like what's the edge um, it gives you better grip, which allows for more spin on the ball. And I, I mentioned this earlier, but like it, on a fastball, there's more backspin on it, which makes it, which elevates it for longer, which makes it seem like the ball's rising. And a rising fastball is just probably the toughest pitch to hit in all of sports because things aren't supposed to do that. They're supposed. To, that's how gravity works. Things are supposed to fall. So if something is moving upward, that is near impossible to hit. And that's why a lot of people think. Hitting a softball is harder than a baseball because softball you throw underhand, so the ball is rising as it goes. If people wanted to uh, keep in touch with what you were doing, what's the what's the best way? 
Well, you can always follow me on Deadspin, and uh, that's pretty much the best way to keep up with what I'm doing. I post, you know, normal news stories and opinion pieces on Deadspin all the time, and I'm working on more journalistic pieces. I'm currently doing a piece on the older athlete and how we're seeing people like Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, Marc-Andre Fleury continue to succeed well past their supposed prime, when their prime is supposed to be. I've talked with a few doctors in uh, the Western United States to try to get their thoughts on it. And that could be coming out anytime now. So that's the piece I'm really looking forward to. That was a talk with sports analyst John Michael Hoffling. This has been the People Who Read People podcast with me, Zach Elwood. You can learn more about it at peoplewhoreadpeople.com. Thanks for listening.